And welcome to another episode of the SD4L show. I'm Justin Thind. I'm here today solo as uh, my co-host Matt Sheehan, um, an adult with real responsibilities. Um, so this emergency episode to discuss the hiring of Joe Rossi as Michigan State's new defensive coordinator um, will just be me. And we will be talking about kind of what the hire means, what kind of scheme he runs, um, kind of how it came together, um, others that um, Coach Jonathan Smith had pursued, and just kind of overarching thoughts. It'll be a short, quick episode. Um, recording this here at 6.08 p.m. Eastern. Probably would like to get it out during or probably just after the MSU Hoops game that's starting here in 20 minutes, but just going to to record this real quick just so that there's some thoughts that you guys can digest tonight. So in terms of the timeline that went into the DC search, um, partially that was because Jonathan Smith wanted to make sure that he was not leaving any stones unturned. Um, he didn't want to just go ahead and only look at the people that he was familiar with, even though, as I kind of put out an article a couple weeks ago, even just the DCs that he has been familiar with, those even alone would have been some good hires. Um, obviously, Jimmy Lake was like the popular big name, um, but then Andy Avalos, uh, Jimmy Nansen at Arizona, um, Jeff, I think it's Choate, um, who was at Texas as the co-DC. He was named the Nevada head coach. Those are guys that were really impressive. Um, but beyond that, Smith wanted to look at, obviously, everyone's favorite big fish in Phil Parker. And he definitely did his due diligence there. Um, I guess we'll never know necessarily why Parker didn't want to make the jump, but you can probably assume 20 something, 26, 27 years at a place means um, way more than four or five years um, decades ago. So the MSU alum side of it doesn't kind of didn't ever carry much weight for me. But the fact that maybe Iowa had been wasting his defenses the, the past decade and he still doesn't have a conference title despite kind of everything that he's done over there, that probably would have been a bigger reason for him to finally leave as opposed to the alum angle. But he didn't leave to go to Alabama for Nick Saban. He didn't leave to go to Michigan after Don Brown and, and Michigan parted ways. Um, so it was always going to be skeptical. I was always going to be skeptical that it got done. Um, never really gave it much of a chance, but the fact that Smith was even talking um, or got him to pick up the phone means means a good amount. In terms of sort of why it took long, it, that was a big part of it. Um, he wanted to try to pursue a guy like like a Phil Parker with the staff pool that he had, like a Jimmy Lake. Um, but at the end of the day, just because those names were in consideration and he he tried and he did his due diligence, I don't think the hire they actually made should be held um, in comparison to a Parker or a, a Lake because other coaches at Michigan State probably would not even have tried for a Parker and a Lake and the names never would have came up and instead you'd just be hiring somebody that would never be compared to to somebody like that and, and suddenly the hire looks much better but like even this like I, I haven't seen anything but promising um, kind of reception to the Rossi hire um, kind of looking around the um, national scope. I know Tom Fornelli of CBS Sports, he said right away after the hire that um, this is a big loss for Minnesota and a great hire by Jonathan Smith. Um, even the Minnesota fans, you can kind of see how they're feeling about it. They, they thought that he did a great job. Um, there's no real 
um, bias or kind of any like wishful thinking in order to say that he's a really good DC. Now we will go ahead and we'll talk about why it might not translate as well as, as what he's already done. Um, there, there are like things to consider in that factor. It's not a perfect hire, but I think it's about as good of a hire as Michigan state in 2023 could have made. One thing people need to understand is just because you have money to make somebody a top eight paid defensive coordinator does not mean that one of the top eight or 10 DCs are just going to magically say, okay, well, if you can make the money work, I'll go ahead and join you for a $200,000 raise over my current job that pays me to be the seventh best DC to now be the fourth best DC at Michigan State. Whereas I currently have my scheme humming and my trajectory is on a good spot to maybe become a head coach in a couple of years. But now let me leave all of that for a slight raise and suddenly maybe enter a rebuild uh, where the pieces on defense aren't as um, maybe as, as reliable or stable just yet as where they currently are and risk my trajectory to be a head coach. It doesn't matter as much about money there as as it is about career trajectory. Now, Phil Parker, I don't think he's becoming a head coach. I don't think he has the intention of that. But like, just generally speaking, like whoever the fifth best DC in America is, they're not looking to just suddenly uproot themselves and their trajectory and join a rebuild just because Michigan State can pay them enough to be the third highest paid DC instead of the fifth highest paid DC. Like That's not how that works at all. So uh, Michigan State was never going to get someone that you are going to say has zero flaws. Nobody that you're going to say is a 10 out of 10 hire, even though he tried with Phil Parker. And um, if you take that out of it, Joe Ross is looking like a very good hire. He had three top 10 defenses at Minnesota in terms of total yardage, and then two top 10 defenses in terms of, in terms of points per game. And those the, the years they had top 10 in total yardage was 2019, 2021, and 2022. And then um, the top 10 in points was 2021 and 2022. Uh, the COVID year in 2020 and this past season were kind of his two worst years. Uh, but even with that, the current season that just ended, they were still top 50th percentile. Um, they, were, they were top, I think they're 58th in the country. So even when it gets bad, it's not like bad off of a cliff kind of bad. Um so the things to consider, though, is despite him having those 10, um, actually, I guess before that, I should keep hitting on some of the, the positive points, and then we'll spin over to that. But in, since, since he became the DC in 2019, full-time DC in 2019, he has put 10 guys into the NFL draft. So that is 10 defensive players only at Minnesota that have been draft picks um, in his time there. And that includes Antoine Winfield, who obviously very good NFL safety. Um, he's a guy that developed talent at a place where they were not able to get that talent as ready-made recruits. Like they weren't getting four stars and five stars across the board and yet still put guys in the NFL. Um, you'll see coaches that maybe they'll, they'll work magic with their scheme alone and maybe not develop the talent. Like they'll get the three stars and they'll put together a pretty good top 25 defense, but there's not NFL guys to show for it. Um, that's kind of a little more common. I mean, we, we saw it at the end of the coach D tenure, even though obviously they did, they did work magic for a long time with the dark West Denards of the world. But like, if you kind of look at the very, very end, like their defenses were very good in like 2018, 2019, um, like Joe Bocci, those led units, the Raekwon Williams led units, Kenny Willekes. Um, but like out of all those guys, um, it was really just uh, Josiah Scott ended up getting drafted in the third or fourth round to Jacksonville and then Kari Willis to the Colts. 
sure I'm missing one or two guys, but like those defenses were top 10, but they were not producing talent like Minnesota's were. So my point is that there's development going on on an individual basis and then collective scheme um, that is working out here. So that's good to see. Um, And then most impressively in terms of a single season, to me, it's not even those three top 10 defenses in total yardage or the top two in scoring. It's actually the 2018 season where Rossi took over as the interim DC after nine games um, when PJ Fleck fired his previous DC and with four games left in the season. Um, actually, let me pull up the exact stats here because that would do even more justice than um, kind of just winging it. Because when Rossi took over as DC, obviously with the midseason firing, that tells you how how bad it was for Minnesota at the time. But it was a night and day shift when Rossi took over. And that's very hard to do midseason. So, um, okay, so here's where I have it. When Joe Rossi took over as DC, Minnesota was allowing 31.8 points per game and 429.3 yards per game through the first nine games of the 2018 season. In the final four games when Rossi took over, Minnesota then gave up 14.8 points per game and 300 yards per game. So from 31.8 to 14.8 points per game. That was the reduction in the middle of the season with the exact same personnel nine weeks into the season, probably not the healthiest unit by then either. And then yardage went from 429 to 300. So to do that in the middle of a season is just, it's that's remarkable. Um, Because you don't have the portal, you don't have recruits coming in, you can't change the culture, you can't really change too much of the playbook. It's just simply the way that you take over and you make those changes that just really, really impresses me. So now on the other side, after singing all those praises, uh, one thing that I know that Jonathan Smith took into account uh, based on kind of some of the other guys he was looking at and um, trying to see would it be even better to get someone that did Um, not very well statistically, but had absolutely no help in terms of offense and time of possession and all that. Or Rossi, who had great defenses, but was aided by time of possession and kind of that side of things. That is what brings me to the fact that I must point out that Rossi was obviously um, a benefactor of the Big Ten West. Um, He was a benefactor of playing against Nebraska um, when they were even worse than now. Um, Indiana... Illinois, well, Indiana was in the East, but played a good amount of times. Um, Illinois, Purdue had a good passing attack at times. I know Michigan State in 2021 saw that. Uh, Northwestern, uh, Iowa's offense was not that good. So, like, he was aided by that, and that's where some of the top 10 defense kind of metrics come from and also the time of possession that Minnesota had on offense. But the way that I look at it is, let's say that Rossi never touches the top 10 defense when when he's at Michigan State. If that is extrapolated out to maybe him having the success of maybe the 28th best defense, 24th best defense, I still think it's a great hire. And I think Michigan State probably wasn't going to be able to do any better than that. Um, He is 44 years old. He's from Pittsburgh Central Catholic. Recruits really like him. I know Brady Pretzloff, who visited Michigan State this past weekend and is a Minnesota commit. He really likes him. Um, He's been able to get kids into the league and that will be on his resume and he'll be able to show that and uh very personable guy kids really like learning from him obviously if that weren't the case you'd see more schematic issues and guys not being in the right spot on on saturdays if they didn't feel that he was a good teacher and they weren't taking to it so 
at the end of the day, Rossi is, I think, and maybe an 8.8 out of 10, an 88% kind of a higher. Um, that's better than I thought Michigan State would be able to do right now with the influx uh, that the roster is in and kind of, I should say, the state of flex that the roster is in. And um, the fact that Michigan State kind of has to reprove that they can have good defenses here and you didn't want to have kind of a total, total unproven commodity trying to do that while knowing it's also hard to have a very, very flawless, bulletproof kind of a proven candidate to come over here and leave a better situation from a from a talent perspective to do this. So balancing those two sides, I think it's as good of a hire as Michigan State could have gotten. Uh, we'll see what happens in terms of the actual on-field product, but all we can do today is kind of try to project it and Hey, maybe he'll be even better and he could have a top 10 defense. Maybe it's going to be a bigger hit from, from going ahead and playing some harder teams than, than he played. Only one way to find out there. Now, in terms of scheme, I had a tweet that I, I kind of had poor wording there. Joe Rossi does not run a 3-4 defense. Joe Rossi has a defense where there's three down linemen. Now, you'd say, okay, well, doesn't that mean it's 3-4? Not necessarily. That's kind of how I worded it because I kind of look at it as three down linemen, four people that are stand-ups, even though three are at the second level, I'd still like call that a three-four. But talking to Steven and Stephen Brooks, Corey Robinson, Alan True, the way that it should have been more accurately described was in perspective to the way that the that the scheme of or the gap scheme is set up. So in Rossi's defense. Even though it's three down linemen, those three down linemen are not arranged in a way where they are kind of having a nose tackle over the center and two kind of wide-stretched 3-4 defensive ends of the 3-4 measurable mold. That's not what's happening here. Ross's defense has two regular traditional 4-3 kind of defensive tackles in terms of a measurables-wise and in terms of where they're lining up. They're lining up just like DTs would in a 4-3 defense. And then on one side of those two traditional defensive tackles is a traditional 4-3 defensive end with his hand in the dirt. And then on the other side, the stand-up rusher, he is not necessarily a linebacker in terms of responsibilities and probably not even in terms of measurables, even though I think the kid's about 245, 248 when I checked the roster. Um, so like he's not big by any means, but they're lined up in terms of a gap scheme where it would be the same thing as an even format front. So really, if the offensive line has to block for and scheme against the same um, alignment as a traditional four people having hands in the dirt kind of a scheme, it should be called a four-man front. I shouldn't have said he runs a 3-4. Um, so I did want to clear that up. But yeah, so four guys at the line of scrimmage, three guys with their hands in the dirt, uh, but four guys that fit the same personnel as what Michigan State had in their front four. On third down, though, a lot of a lot of creative stuff. You see some three two six, um, you see some four two five. Um, you just pretty much see everything. There's a lot of chaos going on with the way that they attack third down, the blitzes that they come up with. Um, just kind of they they create chaos and wreak havoc for the quarterback from a from a mental picture standpoint before the snap, after the snap. Now that doesn't mean that Rossi just sits there and comes up with crazy blitzes all day and he just blitzes left and right it is pretty much the same philosophy that every single defensive coordinator at high level football in 2023 um, tries to adhere to and that's where 
You make a quarterback throw more passes over a drive, the more likely they are to create a turnover for you. And the more likely you are to eventually get him to get confused or see something that he shouldn't be seeing and throw a pick. Whereas instead of the Don Brown pressing at the line of scrimmage, always playing press man, blitzing, not having help over the top. That's not what you really see NFL or college football defenses do these days. I know at times like Scotty Hazleton's defense, especially against Washington two years ago and um, Ohio state every year, it, it looked bad because they, they were never actually getting to that point where the, the defense would cause a turnover. If your whole entire plan here is, all right, we're going to make this quarterback throw the ball eight times, and it's going to be a 13-play scoring drive if they're going to score on us, and you're never generating a turnover in those 13 plays or in those eight throws, then you repeatedly are failing at your core principle of, we're going to have a greater sample size so that we are giving ourselves a greater opportunity for them to eventually make a mistake. And in college, it works especially well because quarterbacks don't have the attention span to always hit the check down or always make the safe play 13 plays down the field. And what happens is that if you have a good defensive coordinator and let's say on first down, um, it's a first and 10 run up the middle for a gain of three yards uh, at the 50 yard line. Second play, um, it's a incompletion because the quarterback decided to try to push one of the boundaries where he shouldn't be because the zone was set up well. Now you're at third and seven. Now that Scotty Hazleton was able to get Michigan State into third and sevens all the time. Um, the scheme was working to get that to be the case quite often. But the difference between the good defensive coordinator and the bad one is once once your scheme gets you into that ability to get the defense off the field because of you forcing the quarterbacks to either have um, incompletions because they're not they're not taking the safe play or whether it's just those safe plays led to it being third and four just because the, the yardage they were getting on each play was shorter. Once you get them into that spot, that's where you have to get off the field. That's where Rossi makes the difference on third down where sure it might have been an easy slant that got five yards on the first play. And then um, maybe a gain of one on a halfback dive up the middle on the next play. Sure, those might have been easy six yards to get on them, which they really aren't easy to get on them based on the stats you see. But I'm just saying, like, in the worst case scenario of how that defense is supposed to work, of sure, those are easy. Third down, when you have your chaos looks and the quarterback doesn't know what he's seeing, that's where you capitalize on that. And if you have a drive where it's four different sets of downs, right, and you're seeing third down three times, You have to be an elite quarterback to every single one of those times continue to make the correct play. And that is how the bend, not break defense works ideally. And that's how the Chiefs and the Eagles played and they got them to the Super Bowl. Now we saw them get shredded in the Super Bowl. That's just because offenses are beating defenses in, in this era of football. But like the best teams at the best levels of football run this defense where they're not press manning on first and 10, second and 10, and just trying to get turnovers on first down, second down. They're 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 baiting their time. They're making sure that the quarterback has to actually think multiple times on the drive throughout the drive, and that is the way that all pretty pretty much all defenses these days are set up. So he's not unique in that sense. He Joe Rossi, like everybody else, takes a logical approach to defense, just like everyone else kind of views it. But where he's different is on third down. His chaos looks. That's where it separates. That's where he separates himself. Um. So from a scheme standpoint, sure, three down linemen, but should be calling it a four-man front. Um, 
in terms of the linebackers at the second level. Like, sure, they have three linebackers when they play on like first and ten or, or like a third and two or something like that. But third and thirteen, now you're going to probably see four two five. Or if there's four receivers on the field on second and ten, you're going to see a four two five. Um, if not, if not even a dime look. So yeah, the the linebacker number, like you can call it a four three. You can call it a four two five. Probably a four three is what you should say because on a first and ten, a lot of times you do see a four three. You see a four three um, personnel in terms of their snap counts as as being probably the, the the most high. Just quickly scrolling through PFF snap counts and how many linebackers played. So yeah, sure four four three if that makes you comfortable. But again, it's dictated by the amount of receivers that the, that the defense has on the field. But one thing I will say is that in the four three, they're not in a rush to switch to the four two five just because there's one extra receiver on the field. Um, they're okay with their linebacker stepping out there and covering. So. Michigan State doesn't really have any good coverage linebackers really on the whole roster. I know Jordan Hall did admirably when he was asked to do it, but he more so looked good doing it just because of what the rest of the roster looked like. Um, his strengths were still run defense and and kind of being in the box. Um, so he, like, again, like you have to get more guys that can cover in space. So maybe it'll take a year or two for the defense to look good, but that's not because of scheme. That's not because of Rossi. It's just because that's what the room the rooms look like on the defense right now but yeah so rossi good hire i would say um we'll see what this means in terms of how they approach the next week or so of, of maybe now they pick up some portal um traction with some guys maybe they just pick up the pace with kind of their pursuits things of that nature but i know brady pretzloff uh he visited even without knowing who the dc and linebackers coach were i can't imagine this would hurt him but Looks like uh, looks like Michigan State got a good DC here, and we'll see what happens on the field. But appreciate everyone for tuning in. That's all for this brief episode. Um, one thing I will say, like I always do, please press subscribe. Um, please comment. Please like. You guys usually do a good job with the comments, uh, but the likes and the subscriptions, especially the subscriptions, we will always take. We will always take more because the views are always superseding the amount of subscriptions. And as I always say, the math is not adding up. So with that, appreciate you guys joining. Uh, We'll have another episode sometime later this week. Uh, We'll be probably talking about official visits and hopefully some good news by then. Everything seems to have been trending the way it was was supposed to with all all the recruits that visited this past weekend. So we'll see where that takes us. But appreciate everyone tuning in. I'm Justin Thin. And uh, go check out all our content over on 247sports.com on the Spartan Tailgate Michigan State site. We'll have much more on Rossi over there, but appreciate everyone for tuning in. Thanks.